0: This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com.
1: Well, what I want to talk to you about this morning is just a little bit is this uh, term called surrender. Are you familiar with surrender? You know, you ever see a, a cop find a bad guy and he catches him and the, the bad guy is doing like this? <laughs> what does that mean? I surrender. I, surrender. I give up. I'm not going to fight, you know. Nope. I've surrendered, you know. So think about that every once in a while as we talk about this uh, term, surrender. Um, and let's see here. That's I don't know if you know what this is. This is a a bridle that's in use right now. I mean, not at this very second, but it was this past week, I believe. And all I need is somebody who will allow me to put this in your mouth. <laughs> it's only had a horse, having it in a horse's mouth so far. And then we'll pull it around in your head and Okay, no volunteers. Um, so you're just gonna have to imagine this. Then you know that this thing right here, this this bridle, it it really takes control of a horse's head. You know, and uh, it, his eyes and his ears and his mouth and his tongue and. Um, and pretty much if you control a horse's head, you control the whole rest of the body, right? And that's what this does. And it's very significant when a, a horse, you know, he, he basically surrenders to the master when you have this bridle on them, you know. And you just, you know, slide that up over on one of these horses' his nose and goes over his ears there and kind of buckles underneath here. And then you've got the, the reins here, and if you can, it depends on what kind of a horse you got, if it's a very, very loving, kind, obedient horse, it don't take much effort to, you know, you can just basically tap his, uh, you know, neck with the, the rein there, but some of them you got to like jerk this right here, and, and their mouth is, oh, oh, stop that, you know? Are you the kind of person who needs a little pain in order to obey, you know? Well, that's what this this uh, bit would probably do. Anyhow, uh, it'll be here, so you're welcome to do so. And we'll wash it off before we put it back in the horse's mouth, you know. <laughs> and, uh, okay. Well, anyhow, listen to what it says in the book of James. James chapter 3 verse 2 and it says we all now what percentage is that all there? 100% we all make 20 mistakes oh wait a minute I'm sorry I, maybe I should grab my glasses again we all make how many? <laughs> many many we all make many mistakes but those who Control their tongues can also control themselves in every other way. Now, what percentage is every? 100%. So, if you can control your tongue, has your tongue ever got the rest of your body in trouble? Have you ever said something you, you wish you could take it back? It's like you could pull that word back and it wouldn't have the consequences anymore? Listen to this. This is, this is amazing. It says we all make many mistakes, but those who control their tongues. And you don't have to answer this right now, but think about this. Are you the person who just? Well, I just said well, I just say. Whatever I think, that's not necessarily something you want to brag about. Okay, you know. Let me just read it again. We all make many mistakes, but those who control their tongues can also control themselves in every other way. In every other way. In every, 100% of the rest of your what you do in life, you can control that if you can control your tongue. Because the tongue is the most difficult thing to control, is what he's telling us. And in verse 3... He says, and we can make a large horse turn around and go wherever we want by means of a small bit that I just now showed you, a small bit in its mouth. And see, if the horse is not an obedient horse, well, you can force its hand, you know, by controlling his mouth with that bit. And he will do what you want him to do. And uh, oh, what a wonderful thing it is to have a horse that doesn't need a bit. You know, uh, their horses are just just a very light touch of the rein on its neck. And he's going to go right where you want. And sometimes even without a, a bridle and a bit or anything, there's people who have horses trained just a teeny tiny bit of pressure on their flank. And that horse goes and does whatever you want it to do you and the horse becomes one, you know. That's a horse that is totally surrendered to the master. Anyhow, let's uh, take a peek at Psalms 19, um, verse 14. But, but I'd like to ask you a question here, of, and just think about this answer. Would you consider that your tongue has been surrendered to Jesus? Just think about it. You don't have to answer that question out loud to us. Just think about the answer. Anyhow, Psalms 19 verse 14 says, and this is like a a prayer, may the words of my mouth and the, the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my heart and the meditations of, of my heart be pleasing. That, that, that's a prayer. I, I, I want to surrender all the things I'm meditating and chewing on. I want to surrender every word that comes out of my mouth. I want to surrender that to you. And you understand surrender, you know? You ever seen something like this? You know, what does that mean? I surrender. I give up. I'm not going to fight. I quit. You know, I'm surrendering. Now, sometimes surrender can be a little costly, at least in my situation. I have two white shirts at home. I'm staying corrected. Now I only have one. I asked my wife, I said, you have a white piece of fabric I could use to make a flag to surrender with? And she brought out a coat hanger with one of my two white shirts on it. And I proceeded to cut the, the, the whole back out of the shirt. I, I think you could still wear it with a suit if you just buttoned it up and had a jacket on. And a tie, there no one would know. I, I think, I think uh, that would work. I, I think I'm not positive, but I think it would. But you know, whatever you pay, you may get a good deal on a shirt. You might get one for 25 bucks, sometimes 30 bucks, 40 bucks. I don't, I don't really know, because I don't wear too many white shirts nowadays. But uh, I know, anytime I see that shirt hanging up in my closet, I'll remember that. I've surrendered something to God. So if, if you want to, and you've got a shirt at home, you're going to do the same thing with, or maybe a dress. You're going to cut a big hole in your dress or something, and you'll remember, wow, surrender, it cost me something, you know? Anyhow, uh, you don't have to cut a hole in, in something like that, you know? But it might it would remind you of this little lesson if you did, you know? But the word surrender... Means to give up. It is talking about submission. It, it genuinely is, and submission is to yield oneself to the power and the authority of another. This word surrender here it means to obey. It, it means a dependent position. I'm, I I depend on you. I'm not in control any longer. I'm dependent on you. I, I've surrendered, you know, and there is phenomenal things that happens when a person surrenders to God. Genuinely, is is it's miraculous what takes place in our lives when we surrender. And it says here in Psalm, uh, Romans chapter six verse thirteen, it says, "Do not let any part of your body, any part, you know, your your eyes and your ears, your." Your mouth or any part of your body says, do not let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness. Don't let it happen. Don't let it become a tool of wickedness to be used for sinning. Instead, give yourselves. What's that word? What percentage do you think completely is? That'd be 100%. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. I mean, this is talking about I surrender, I give up 100%. Completely, I give everything up, i will going to do it your way from now on. How many have ever noticed that doing certain things your personal way could cause a little bit of pain and, and consequences? Have you ever learned those kinds of things? A lot of you have. Anyhow, he says here, Do not let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness to be used for sinning. Instead, give yourselves completely to God since you have been given a new life. He gave us a new life. And since he's given us a new life, give yourselves completely to God since you have been given new life. And use your whole body as a tool to do what's right. Every part of who you are, use it as a tool to do what's right for the glory of God. And the word glory just means to honor, to to honor God. Just let everything you do, that you're just a tool that everything that you do, it just, it honors God. You know, that's a, a very powerful statement here. Give yourselves completely to God. Not, uh, Well, yeah, you know, I read through the Bible, and there's a few passages I surrender to. But do we surrender to God's will in every area of our life? It's a question. Anyhow, John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. See, a surrendered life loves God. A life of obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Because see, talk is cheap. And we know in this world, a lot of people say a lot of things. and They don't mean it. Uh, Talk is cheap. And lots of people will say, I love you. And they're saying, I love you because what they hope to get from you. They're saying they love you. But it's really they love themselves and they'll do whatever it takes to get what you got that they want from you. And they'll say, I love you to get it. But Jesus says, if you love me, he says, just obey my commands. Obey my commandments, you know. To obey means to comply with. It means to follow, uh, follow instructions, you know, follow guidelines, follow commands, Follow restrictions and, and, and wishes and all to obey. Anyhow, the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Follow God's example in most things that you do. Now, do you think he's been a little bit, just a little bit too strict, a little bit too rigid by saying everything? The scripture says here, follow God's example in, what does it say? Everything. Everything. Now, what percentage is that? What if you said, I'm going to follow God's example in 75%, would that be pretty good? Well, he said, follow God's example in everything you do because you are his dear children. And then he goes on to say in verse 2, live a life filled with love for others. And, and see, this is a great commandment, to love the Lord with all your heart. Because he said if we, we love him, we're going to obey him. We're going to obey his commands if we love him. And then he tells us to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, and then love our neighbor as ourselves. You know, But he says here in verse 2, live a life filled with love for others. Following the example of, of Christ for for all the people that surround us live a life filled with love for others following the example of Christ who loved you and he gave himself as a sacrifice oh you remember one of the last things that Jesus prayed when he was on the cross there and people had beat him terribly and he was he was bleeding from almost every square inch of his body from the horrible beatings he took and the crown of thorns beaten down on him, the nails in his arms and his feet and everything, and, and Jesus, hanging on this thing in front of everybody, he said, Father, forgive them. They, they really don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Would you consider that love? Jesus came to forgive everybody, to give us a pardon, so we could go to heaven with him one day if we'd accept it. And Jesus, it tells, in verse 2, live a life filled with love for others, following the example of Christ, who loved you and gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. And God was pleased with his son, Jesus. God was pleased Because that sacrifice was like sweet perfume to him. Now, let me read it to you once again out of the Message Bible. And it says here, watch what God does. Okay? Keep your eyes on God. And you can watch what God does here as well. It says, watch what God does and then you do it. That means I turn the other cheek when someone slaps it and bless those who curse me. Say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that for somebody who's hurt you? Oh, God, forgive them. They, they really don't know what they're doing. They think they do, but they, they forgive them, and I forgive them, you know. Anyhow, it says, watch what God does and then do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. So we can follow that example. And it goes on to say, keep company with him. It is so awesome to hang out with God. And that is available to each and every one of us. You can spend time with God. And he tells us, keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. And his love was not cautious, and, and you understand cautious, right? You know, when Susan and I go up on the, the mountain every Sunday morning, we've been doing that for a year and a half, basically. We go up on the mountain there, and I put our packs up here on what we call the stone couch. And then I walk around the edge there, and it's right on this little peak there. And when I'm walking over there, I'm right on the edge of, of this cliff there. And I'm cautious, especially when it's wet. And she's telling me, when it's wet, it's like, be careful, you know? And I'm walking over there and there's a a drop, or it's just like a gouge out, and I grab a branch of a cedar tree. It's just about the size of my thumb. I grab that branch there and I jump over that. it only drops down about 20 and then 30 feet and then 80 feet a little bit further on. So you could actually slip there and go tumbling and boom, you know, you could do that. And then when you get up from the tip top, it's pretty safe up there until you get right to the edges, especially if it's wet. And we go up there when it's icy, and we go up, Been up there when it's snow. We've been up there every every Sunday since the pandemic hit. And I'm a little cautious around the edges. Does that make sense? Are you ever cautious? Only one of you is ever cautious. <laughs> okay, one. Okay, two. Okay. All right. You're a little cautious here. You're going. To, if I raise my hand. He might ask me to come up here and do something. So you're being a little cautious. I understand that, you know. But it says right here, it says his love was not cautious. God was not cautious with his love. His love, Jesus' love, was not cautious but extravagant. God just loved us extravagantly. He just loved us out loud. He wasn't bashful or hesitant and still is not. He just loves us in a way that we recognize it. And that sunrise that you'll see every once in a while, that's for me. Y'all can use it if you want to, but that was just for me, you know. And uh, he loves us out loud. But it says his love was not cautious but extravagant. And he didn't love in order to get something from us like some people I love you because they're hoping to get something from you. He says he didn't love in order to get something from us but to give everything. What percentage is everything? 100%. But he loved us in order to give everything of himself to us. And then he says love like that. Love in order to give something to somebody. And if you love people and then you pray for people and you help people and all those things like they'll want to hear what you got to say because they don't really care what you know until they know that you care but if you love like Jesus does you'll be able to share with people what Jesus has done in your life and what he can do in their life as well anyhow let's go on to Romans chapter 12 verse 1 that says and so dear Christian friends I plead with you to give your bodies to God you know Surrender your body to God. Surrender is what he's talking about here. Surrender to him. And Martin Luther, he once said, he says, I have held many things in my hands, and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. I just surrendered everything I have to God. My, my life, my, my family, my children, my stuff, Lord, it's, it's really all yours. Thank you that you've given it to me and I use it and I just give back to you because that's the safest place for our stuff to be. Safest place to put our, our kids and everything that we are is like put it back in God's hands. It says here in Romans 12, it says, verse 1, And so, dear Christian friends, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them, your bodies, be a living and a holy sacrifice, you know. Die to ourselves and and live for him. Basically saying, you know, whoops, I'll tangle it here. Basically saying, I'm yours. And all that I am and ever hope to be, I'm yours. And he's talking about that kind of a surrender. So he says, let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. And when you think of what he has done for you, Jesus went to the cross and died in your place. He also went to hell for three days. You may or may not know that. But he says, when you think of what he's done for you, is that too much to ask to surrender? You're all to him. And uh, I came across an article many, many years ago, f- probably 40 years ago, and I was reading about this preacher who he had a pretty good-sized tent. tent might have been the size of this building or so, and uh, he would take it to different communities. And he was more out west. This is back during the horse and buggy days, you know, and he'd go out there and he'd set up some services for people to come, and he would preach the gospel. And he was in this area very, very close on some land there was an Indian reservation and there was one town not too terribly far from it and he invited all the people to come and, as he would share the gospel and there was this very influential Indian I think he might have been a chief he came in he'd never been to something like that never saw a tent that size and he went and he sat on the front seat there just like Susan is doing you're not sleeping are you dear? okay I just shed her eyes closed I was deep in meditation probably you know I'm, I'm just picking she's my wife, I can do that. I only pick on people I love, you know. Anyhow, so the Indian was sitting there and the preacher was really communicating the truths about Jesus and, and explaining the whole plan of God's good, wonderful news. And the Indian was so inspired, he got up and he had his blanket there beside him and he took his blanket right during the service. He didn't know what proper protocol was and he went up there and he laid his blanket he said Indian, your blanket to Jesus because he was really touched by what the preacher was saying. He went and sat down and the preacher continued and all and it was building and he was communicating out of God's book you know the Bible and before you knew it the Indian got up again and he reached into his old leather belt there and he Pulled out his tomahawk and he says, "Indian, give tomahawk to Jesus." And he went and sat back down. He was just so inspired by this message. This preacher was preaching, and then the preacher was continuing on. And you might have thought the Indian got all upset or something or another, because the Indian just jumped up, and he walked down the aisle, and he disappeared out the door of the tent. And before you knew it, he was walking his pony into the tent there and tied him up down there at the altar and said, Indian, give pony to Jesus. I mean, this preacher had really presented the gospel in a fantastic way, the way it's supposed to be, and it was impacting this Indian's life. And he sat back down and he heard it and see some old tears, you know, streaming down this Indian's bronze face there as he got up the last time. He said, Indian, give Indian to Jesus. And see, that's what God wants. He don't just want your stuff. And when he, he, you give him your stuff and he says, hey, we'll use all this stuff, you know. Just remember whose it is, but what God's looking for when you and I say, I, I give Pastor Ron to Jesus. I, I give dad or I give mom or I, whoever you are. And you go, I give me to Jesus. That's, that's what I'm talking about here today. That's a, about a surrender. And, and that's what brings about the most awesome, fantastic change in a person's life. It genuinely does. The book of James chapter 4, verse 10 it says, when you... Now, I'm not going to take all the time to do this, but if I wanted to, I would tell you tell your neighbor, that's what I'm talking about, you. Okay, so pay attention to this. That's, that's what I probably would tell you. When you, you guys at home, when you bow down before the Lord, kind of like the Indian did, when you bow down before the Lord and admit your dependence on him, that you depend upon him, you know, when you bow down to him and you say, I'm I'm giving all that I am and ever hope to be, to you it says, when you bow down before the Lord and admit your dependence on him, he will lift you up and give you honor. When you give all that you are and ever hope to be to him, he's going to lift you up. And he's going to, Give you honor, he's going to honor you because of what you have done. you've acknowledged where everything that you have, including yourself, came from, and you're giving it back to him and It's a good thing if if we admit all this and we surrender all that we are back to God anyhow, you know there's a couple of scriptures in the Bible depends on what translation you're reading but in the Old Testament it says there are many who chase the wind that's so what it actually says it says they chase the wind and feed upon it now how would you like to have a great big bowl of wind for lunch today it's very low cal. you know what I'm saying there's no carbs in it Anything like that, you know? How would you like to have a great big bowl of wind? You got yourself a bowl of wind. It's like, get you a spoon. You can just eat it with your hands, you know? There ain't really much to it, is it? But anyhow, you'll read it in, in the Old Testament. It talks about there are people who chase the wind and they feed upon it. And it's just empty and lifeless and there's nothing to it. Well, anyhow, I came across this article. It says, our, our striving after the wind... Is motivated by a sinister desire to be independent from God, free from the frightening vulnerability of His watch care. I don't want God watching after me all the time. If we really do leave the running of the universe up to God, there's no telling what God might do. And when God calls the shots, People turn into prophets and, and mountains get cast into the sea and dead men come back to life. And better we should be in control and have some idea what's coming next. We will keep things on the even keel we so desire. And, and the second coming of Christ itself will be such an inconvenience to us. Can you imagine You've been working on a real great deal. that's going to financially bless you and help you get bills paid off and this is going to be for your great benefit and I don't want Jesus coming back right now because I don't want him interrupting my deal that's coming on, you know. And I've got this person who's interested in me now and I don't want God coming in and messing things up. And I talk to people. Some of you are in this building now and You've told me if over the years there's certain plans that you had and you, you don't want Jesus to come back right yet. You love him, but you had plans. This actually has happened. Anyhow, Wallace Johnson, he started his business empire in 1939 with a borrowed $250. And since... Then he has helped provide jobs for 110,000 people. He is known nationwide for his Christian activities and his stewardship as a Christian layman. I am totally dependent on God for help in everything I do, he declares. Otherwise, I honestly believe it would all start to fall apart in a month. This guy is the founder of the Holiday Inn. The guy I'm reading to you and telling you about. And he considers God's his most important partner. You know, see what God can do here through a totally surrendered man who is dependent upon God. And when you and I are totally surrendered to God and we acknowledge it, we totally depend on him for wisdom and direction and provisions in every area of our life, wonder what God can and will do. Well, let me pick up over here in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform. That is a fantastic word. Let God transform you into a new person. By changing the way you think. Uh Uh-huh. You know, that bridle is for the head. You know, the tongue. And if you can control a, a horse's head, you can control the whole rest of him. And if you can control your tongue, you can control everything else. That's what we were reading about. Anyhow, here he says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So let's surrender our thoughts. All that we think about, let's surrender our thoughts. And lots of times our thoughts come about by what we've been reading or what we've been watching or what we've been participating in. So we've got to be careful about that. A.W. Tozer, he said, what we think about when we're free to think about what we will, that is what we are or what we will soon become. Good thoughts bear good fruit. Bad thoughts bear bad fruit. So think about for a moment, what kind of seeds are you planting in the garden of your mind? Because whatever kind of thoughts you're planting in your mind, you're going to produce that kind of fruit. It's going to impact you for the rest of your life. It just does. And I don't know if you've ever seen weeds. Ever you had to deal with weeds in a the garden? Them ass- grasses don't give up too easily, you know. Once they get a good hold on there, they don't give up so easy. Anyhow, Mark chapter 12, verse 30, it says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, you know, and all your strength. So do you really love him with all your, those four things, in, which includes your thoughts and your mind? Do you, do you love him with your thoughts? Has that ever even been a, a consideration? And think about this. Is a wife happy if her husband loves her with his, his all? He grabs her and he gives her a hug and he loves her with his body. But is a wife happy if he don't love her with his thoughts? While he's loving her, he's thinking about somebody else. Is that acceptable? I'm sorry? No, no it's not acceptable. And we're to love God with our, our heart and our, our soul, our mind, our strength. That's the way the Bible tells us we are to love God. So let's surrender our thoughts to him. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 it says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please God. You know, are you are you controlled? Have you surrendered and and let the Holy Spirit take control of your life? And you're thinking about godly things, things that please God. You know, and we just read there about you got to love the Lord for all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then He says, and second is equally important. Verse thirty-one says, "Love your neighbor as yourself." No other commandment is greater than these. Uh, I was reading about. Wycliffe Bible translators, and when Wycliffe translator Doug Melan and his wife moved into a village of Brazil's Fornio Indians, he was referred to simply as the white man, and the term was by no means complimentary, since other white men had exploited um, these Indians and they had burned their homes and had robbed them of their lands. But after the Milan learned uh, the Indians language and began to f- help the people with medicine and in other ways they began calling Doug the responsible white man. And when the Milans began uh, adapting the customs of the people the Foneo uh, Indians gave them a greater acceptance and spoke of Doug as the white Indian. And you can see this progression of what they're calling him. And then one day as Doug was washing the dirty, blood-caked foot of an injured Foneo boy, he overheard a bystander say to another, whoever heard of a white man washing an Indian's foot before? Certainly, this man is from God. And from that day on, whenever Doug would go into an Indian's home, it would be announced, here comes the man God sent us. Now, I wonder if if people ever say that when you step into their home. Hey, here's the man... Here's a woman that God sent us, because you care. And you know, people don't really care what you know until they know that you care. And that's what they saw right here. And a surrendered life begins to love the way God loves. And say, love is understood in any language, isn't it? Even if you can't understand the articulation, but somebody helps you, or they do something. You understand love. Love is understood in every every language, to be honest with you. And God can work best through a surrendered, love-filled life. A surrendered. You surrendered your life to God and you love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Then you love your neighbors as yourself and you love them the way Jesus did. And God can use you to to change so many people's lives because they, they do care oh, what you know now because they see that you genuinely care about them. Well, let me pick back up here in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, but the latter part of verse 2, it says, And then you will know what God wants you to do. The first part of verse 2, Romans 12, 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do when you let him change the way you think. And you've surrendered all that you are to God and to his will. And it says, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Now, how many of you here enjoy comfort? That's just about everybody, you know. We have this tenant we, we enjoy it, you know. Well, God's purpose, I hope this doesn't upset nobody, but God's purpose is not to make us comfortable. But God's purpose is to make us conformable conformable to Christ let me read it to you in Romans 8:29 it says here for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son to be conformed into the image of Christ, to be transformed, to be like Jesus. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. Now, I don't know if you ever thought of it that way, but Jesus is my Savior and he is my Lord. But the Bible is very clear and it tells me Jesus is my elder brother. He's got the same father as I got. That's what the Bible tells us, and that's okay to understand it as that way, you know. And it's really important for us to, to know that, has anybody ever been in a sailboat? A couple of? Sailboats are pretty cool, don't you think? I think they're cool. They're quiet and they're cool. But one of the things you got to do, if you want to go from point A to point B, you have to hoist the sail. If, when you hoist the sail, it empowers the boat. You hoist the sail because the the wind is just about always blowing. If you are down on salt water, especially, but even on a big lake, the wind's blowing, and you you hoist your sail. And as a believer, this is how we hoist our sail. Uh, this is what I am doing. You know, I am hoisting my sails, and I am I am surrendering to the Almighty God. And when you and I s- surrender. And we hoist our sails we access his power and so we can sail the seven seas of life that God created and go where he wants us to go and do what he wants us to do and there's another way of hoisting your sails and it's it's just uh it's like hoisting your sails but like out in the out west you'll see people have these gripping windmills and there'll be a water tank there to water all their animals and their crops and all. There's a windmill and when you and I, you know, we we got our paddles up in the air and there's a little mechanism down here close to the ground that's chained up and one, push it one way and it engages the gears on the windmill and it pumps water right out of the ground and everything is green where it splashes out. And all the livestock come here and drink all the water they want and, and whatever the it splashes over just causes everything to become green so if if you're looking at it as a sailboat you hoist your sails to surrender and you you access the wind of god and you're standing in the wind and and you're catching that wind and it's god's holy spirit is empowering you to do what he created you to do and the bible tells us that holy spirit when he is welcomed into our life and we surrender, that out of our innermost being begins to flow rivers of living water. But it comes to a surrendered life. When we put our paddles there in the wind and we are, you know, engaged to pump the water, when the wind hits the paddles on the windmill, it turns and it pumps that water out and it produces life. So are you surrendered? Is there life flowing out of you? Are you surrendered to where you're, you're empowered in an unbelievable kind of way? You're empowered by the wind of God, and he's taking you where he wants you to go and doing what you, he wants you to do, and you're empowered with all the life-giving water that anybody could ever want or anybody could ever need. Think about that. Let me read you. Um uh, a scripture in just a second, but the greatness of a man's power or a woman's power, the greatness of your power and your power is measured by your surrender. Policeman says, "Put them hands up." How surrendered are we truly to God? We, we take His word and go. Uh, I like that verse. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah, I don't like that stuff there. Yeah, nah. no. How surrendered are you? Uh, the power that is. Operating in your life has a whole lot to do with how surrendered you are to God. Standing in the wind, hoisting your sails of surrender to God, empowered to do what he created you to do. You know, engaging the, the, the gears for that windmill and letting living water flow out of us where other people's lives are being transformed. And it's all because of God's doing He's the one who's got the power. But let me read you this verse. Uh, did I say Ezra or Ezekiel well I'll let you look it up and figure out which one it is (laughs) chapter 36 verse 27 it says and I will put my what and I will put my spirit in you so you'll obey my laws and do whatever I command do we really want to do what he commands us, then hoists up your sails. And he empowers you to do what he's created you to do. He's empowered you. And listen to what it says here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, I pray that from his glorious, what's that word? Unlimited Unlimited resources? I pray that from his, God's glorious, unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. Now, let's say we all decide to put up a windmill. And let's just say we all live within a, a, a few towns of each other I don't know if we might use up all the wind. You think that's possible? Because the wind blows down here, and it it blows. It just keeps climbing higher. I've seen windmills that are like eighty foot high, you know. And there's wind that not only is blowing stuff down, but it's, and what if we went to the beach and we decided we all want to have a sailboat? Do you think there's a limit to how many? Sailboats can be used because we might use up all the wind at the beach. I think the wind is unlimited. And I do know this, what the Bible says is absolutely true. I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, God's resources are unlimited. When we hoist the sails, you will never lack. Catching the wind of God. And that's talking about the power of his Holy Spirit. You will never lack God's, you know, resources. He's telling us right here. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And we need that strength that God gives us. And it comes by surrender it comes by obedience to him and as a man you can stand in the wind i don't really do a whole lot It's just kind of like being a sailboat that's just bobbing in the harbor you're moored you're anchored there in shallow water you've been anchored there for years and your owner never comes out and takes you for a sail if you're just whole sailboat you've been there 12 years now and you're just bobbing in the harbor Sailboats were not created just to bob in the harbor. And you and I were not created just to bob up and down and do very little. God has given you and I the potential to surrender, to surrender, to surrender unto him and catch the wind of God that empowers us. Same way a sailboat is empowered by the wind to do what it was created to do. And when you and I surrender all that we are and all that we ever hope to be and we totally surrender, we trust God and we love him, I'm telling you, that's when life becomes exciting and dynamic. No longer bobbing up and down in the harbor, but you're sailing the seven seas and you were created to handle them. And you were created to handle the wind of God, his spirit. You were created to be empowered by the Holy Spirit through a surrendered life. So, I know our time is up and I'm only not even halfway through my little introduction I wanted to share with you. But I challenge you, figure it out. When you go home somewhere today and maybe maybe I'll pray for you in just a moment or two, but when you go home, get somewhere where you can just be you and God and say, Lord, I, I surrender. Surrender my past, the good and the bad. And I surrender my present, the good and the bad. And I surrender all the things of my future. I just surrender everything to you and I'm I'm hoisting up the mainsail of my arms and my hands. I'm surrendering and saying, I'm not going to fight you, God. We're going to do it your way. You created me and you got a purpose and a plan for me and Yes, I'm ready for the journey. I challenge you to surrender your life to him and see what God will do through a surrendered man, through a surrendered woman who just kind of you know, they got a hole in their shirt back home. they got a hole in their dress because they really was willing to make the sacrifice. I'm surrendered. I'm your man. I'm your woman. I want what you want. More than anything else, I want whatever you want. Empower me to get it done. Whatever it is that you want for my life. And the fountains of living water will flow to and through you. And you'll have all the unlimited resources from God to be able to touch another man, a woman, children. That's what we're doing in VBA we're challenging all the men and women who've come and helped us at VBA to be surrendered to God, that you'll have his power and his unlimited resources to minister life to these kids. It's going to be a life-changing experience. But even after VBA is over with, you can continue to be surrendered to God and let him work in you and through you. Uh, I'd like to pray for you just to... Re- Knew your faith, reaffirm your faith in Christ. And then I'm going to pray for you all. And Susan, if you would join me up here. So I'd like you to bow your heads, and this is why I do what I do. I ask folks to reaffirm their faith in Christ all the time because I want to make it as easy as I can for other people who want Christ in their life to be, feel welcome and feel comfortable to welcome christ into their life as we reaffirm our faith in him they can make their declaration of faith so if you're here today and you know jesus very closely would you reaffirm your faith with me and if you're not sure if your name is written in the book of life would you declare your faith today and let god pardon you and write your name in his book of eternal life would you pray Dear Heavenly Father.
0: Dear Heavenly Father.
1: I believe that you love me.
0: I believe that you love me.
1: That's why you sent your son Jesus.
0: That's why you sent your son Jesus.
1: I believe he gave his life blood.
0: I believe he gave his life blood.
1: Every ounce.
0: Every ounce.
1: From his head.
0: From his head.
1: From his hands. From
0: his hands.
1: From all the wounds on his body.
0: From all the wounds on his body.
1: From the spear that was put in his side.
0: From the spear that was put in his side. From
1: his wrist and his feet.
0: From his wrist and his feet.
1: He shed his blood.
0: He shed his blood. To
1: wash my sins away.
0: To wash my sins away.
1: And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead.
0: And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead.
1: And is knocking at the door of my heart.
0: And he's knocking at the door of my heart.
1: And I open wide that door.
0: And I open wide that door.
1: And I accept Jesus.
0: And I accept Jesus.
1: And welcome him.
0: And welcome him.
1: Into every area of my life.
0: Into every area of my life. As
1: my savior.
0: As my savior. As
1: my lord.
0: As my lord.
1: As my soon coming king.
0: As my soon coming king.
1: And as my friend.
0: And as my friend.
1: And I surrender my all.
0: And I surrender my all. To
1: you. To you. In Jesus name.
0: In Jesus name. Amen.